You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin here today by calling in the Helping Spirits. So I call out first to your ancestral helping spirits, and I call out to my own. I call out to all of those men and women who lived well and died well, those who bring the legacy of all that is good and true and beautiful down the lines into our lives. I call out to these people all the way back to the first man, all the way back to the first woman. I call out to these ancestors to join us here today. And I call out to all of life that dreamt of humans, those pre-human ancestors. I call out to those ancestors to be with us here today. And I call out to the spirit of this planet itself and its dreaming of life, this most essential ancestor to us all. And I call out to the moon that pulls the tides and the sun that gives life to all things. I call out to all of these energies and their great shared dream of life. For these are our ancestors as well. And I call out to the galaxies that dreamt of solar systems and the universes that dreamt of galaxies all the way to the beginning. In the time before time, in the place before there were places. To the very, very beginning, the beginning of the dream or the song. Whatever it is that you call it, all the way back to the beginning. And those first and most essential ancestors, Grandfather Fire and Grandmother Ice. And we give thanks to this great line of the ancestors. And we ask them to be with us here today, to help us the living, to do what we are meant to do in this tiny moment of time, that we are in this place, this link between those who have been and those who are coming. Help us in this short moment that we are alive on this earth to do precisely what it is that we have come here to do and do it in a way that celebrates the uniqueness and the gifts and the beauty in all other living things. And so I call out to all of these ancestors to gather around us here today and to help us, help us the living understand what it is that we are here to do. And with these ancestors gathering around us, let us draw our awareness from our head to our heart, from our heart to our belly, and from our belly let us reach down and touch the earth and for just a moment give thanks for this day, give thanks for your life, give thanks for that which will touch you in this day and that which you will touch. We give thanks to the earth for the wonder and the awe, the miracle of life, for the great diversity of life and the generosity in life that we can change anything we choose to as long as we are still living. So we give great, great thanks to the earth for this life that we share as we reach our energy down through all the layers of the earth, all the way down to the very center of the earth. And we take a moment there in the center to breathe in and surrender to the silence, to the stillness, to the darkness, 
to the simplicity, to the potential. And we draw this earth energy up just like drawing pure, fresh spring water up, up through the earth and out to the top, to the land, to the people, to the animals, to the plants. And so we draw this earth energy up with that same sense of drawing up that which will replenish us and restore us, renew us, rejuvenate us. We call this energy up into our lives and we give thanks. May we use this energy to ground ourselves here in our body on the earth to come to understand what it is that we stand for, why we are here, what matters to us, what are we willing to fight for. And we ask the energy of the earth to help us understand hearth and home and belonging and to do so in a way that leaves the door open to the other, that invites people different than us in, that we might come to understand it is through the great diversity of things that we will come to know the selves we came here to be. And so we may we invite the others into our sense of home. And we call out to earth to help us to understand connection within ourselves, connection with others, interconnection, and ultimately this great web of connection that is the oneness of all things. And we ask the energy of the earth to help us to move into this place and to take from it right relationship with ourself, right relationship then with the environment, and right relationship with all living things and right relationship with the spirit world. And with this intent in our hearts, let us draw the earth energy up from our bellies to our hearts, our hearts to our minds, and send it up and out through the layers of the sky and whatever weather the day holds for you in this day or this night when you are listening. Let us reach out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos and all the way to the beginning to the highest power of the universe and by whatever name you know that energy by whatever way you call out to it and whatever way you reach it reach it touch it know it know you in it and it in you and draw this energy down into yourself into your day into these proceedings and in this way we call into this moment blessing the essential energy of blessings the energy of protection the energy of generosity and benevolence and the energy of devotion and the beneficent nature of our universe. And as we draw in all the wisdom of the cosmos, let us draw it in our head, in our heart, our heart to our belly and send it all the way down to the very center of the earth. And with these two great energies within us, mixing and merging and coming together as one, heaven and earth, here within our body, let these two great lovers give an awakening to the spirit of the heart, your own heart. Let your heart awaken and open and be the true crucible of transformation that it was designed to be in its unique capacity to hold the fiery passions in our belly that carry within our belly our knowing of why we are here. Those passions, those desires, those yearnings, the longing for our destiny. We draw those energies up into the heart and draw down from the mind that capacity to look around us and see the time that we are in and understand how to create and innovate, how to bring those gifts into the world in this time. And we draw those energies together in the heart and let them dance. And in that space of love and transformation, may these two energies in their dynamic tension and friction against each other give birth to this third most sacred thing, which is your sense in the heart, your memory in the heart of why you are here. And may you find in your very human heart the courage that you need to do something in this day, large or small, 
to bring your gifts into fuller manifestation in the world. So I give great gratitude for your hearts, for the spirit energies gathering around us, the earth below and the sky above. And I give thanks to Michael and Lydia, Masha, Melissa, Robin, Langston, and all of the listeners who have donated to the show since we last gathered. If this show has been meaningful to you in any way, if it moves you in any way, even if it moves you to irritation and distraction, that's fine. You've been moved. And if you have been moved in the heart, please take that most shamanic of all actions, which is to let the motivations of your heart move you into action and do something large or small to help the show to grow. Um, Share your favorite shows from the Facebook page. Um, Use what you're learning in your journey circles, in your life. Do something with what you're learning on the show to see what happens. Let me know how it goes. If you're able to donate financially, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com and donate any amount, large or small, in any currency. We're happy for every single bit of it. It all goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And I just want to give thanks um, for those of you that help the show to happen. Because without those of you who can donate financially, we wouldn't be here, at least not now, not five, five years going into the six years later. But also thanks for those of you that send your challenges, your questions, your show ideas, your frustrations. All of these things end up one way or another um, helping to spark the ideas for um, new shows. And so I, I thank you very much for all of that. And I'd also like to give thanks to our guest today, Jean-Luc Edwards. Welcome, Jean-Luc. Thank you, Christina. I am deeply privileged to be with you again. (laughs) Yay! So, everybody, (laughs) we are gathered here uh, this uh, this morning, at least we're in the morning, um, (laughs) because six years ago, maybe actually seven years ago. Seven. Seven years ago. Um, I drove up to BC because for those of you that have no reason to know the geography of North America because you live somewhere else, uh, where Jean-Luc lives is within a day's driving distance, a little bit too fast on the freeway, um, from my house. So it's, it's, it's a bit of a drive, but it's doable. And, and the first conference was November. And November in this part of the world is um, often chilly in that neck of the woods, windy, rainy, and nasty. And nonetheless, we, I don't know, 60, 100 of us? 82. 82 of us huddled in this wonderful tent-like thing with this massive fire in the center. And I've been to many shamanic conferences But what I saw in that first conference were three very, very important things, important that they happen simultaneously. One, people willing to be uncomfortable. (laughs) Second, people willing to be uncomfortable so that they could touch the essence energies. We were uncomfortable so that we could have that beautiful big fire burning in the center of our midst and to be in a location that would allow that fire to burn from the beginning of the conference to the end so that we could be in a relationship with the grandfather. With, you know, and, you know, and as a group of shamans, you know, hello, <laughs> are supposed to be connecting with these essence energies, not talking about connecting with. So this was very important to me that we were willing to be uncomfortable, 
that we were willing to be uncomfortable so that we could connect with these true essence energies. And then the third thing that was really moved me was how in the, 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 there's a, there's an intimacy that arises out of shared discomfort. (laughs) And in that intimacy, what I saw with a bunch of very diverse, um, different people who are, who would identify as shamanic, but don't know what each other's even talking about. Things were so diverse that there was a great deal of love generated in the interactions with people. Um, and these three things at a, at a, what is technically a conference were a very unique experience for me and that they happen simultaneously, that they happen for days on end and that they continue to happen at these conferences is the main reason that we're here to talk about the sixth annual residential BC shamanic conference and gathering this May, um, the 5th through the 9th, in the exact same location. It's an Easter Seals camp, which allows us not only to have the wondrous fire, grandfather, in our center of our midst the entire time, but <laughs> we're there in May. <laughs> it's not quite so uncomfortable. <laughs> um, all right, so let me do my proper business here. So um, we are live. You are welcome to call in, 512 772 one nine three eight, or you can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site, or you can email me at Christina at lastmaskcenter.org. All right. Now, for those of you that don't know Jean-Luc, um, Jean-Luc is an ordained shaman of the Woven Path, which is a rebirth of an ancient Celtic Druidic form of shamanism. And in developing his shamanic practice and approach to life, Jean-Luc instigated a three-year woven path shamanic apprenticeship in BC. And um, so, for example, the new class of the three-year program just began. And this um, training is ongoing. And there are levels beyond the uh, three years should you feel so inspired. Um, and, And this is one thing that people get excuse me, confused about. This is Jean-Luc's path. And in a certain sense, there is a feeling when you're at the conference of the Woven Path people tending the conference and in a sense almost hosting the conference. But technically, that's not true. Technically, the conference is put on by a society which is separate from the Woven Path. And anybody, yes, even you, (laughs) anybody can be a member of the society. And this is the sacred circle of the great mystery shamanic society. And this is an open society for a great diversity of shamanic practices. And it is the society that puts on the conference actually. And, um, This society was founded to create, maintain, and encourage a shamanic community of many shamanic traditions and family, focusing on the work of the shaman and shamanic practitioners and the support of the earth. And that this annual residential shamanic conference and big gathering is hosted by this society. And so for those of you that have studied here and studied there and never really quite found a home excuse me, a home and a family for your work. You might want to consider the society as a place that you can connect with others in this sort of interdisciplinary shamanic 
unwieldy sort of family and create something that continues to bring people, um, shamanic peoples together, experienced and inexperienced, all different traditions, and find um, a home for yourself. And I, I strongly encourage you, as I have been over the last several months, in finding a cosmology for your shamanism, I encourage you to find a family as well. And while we love the people we take workshops with, a network is not a community. Gathering around common interest is not a full community. Being with people in a way that you can create something together begins to develop a stronger sense of community because you have responsibilities to each other and connections. So anyway, where was I? Right. So Jean-Luc. So Jean-Luc, you can reach Jean-Luc um, at Wolf in Dark. W-O-L-F-I-N-D-A-R-K. To find out about Jean-Luc as a practitioner and as a teacher, you can go there. But if you want to find out about the gathering, you can go to circleofgreatmystery.org. Circleofgreatmystery.org. Actually, almost any combination of those words, if you can't remember the right order, will still get you there. (laughs) Because I can never remember the order either. So, Jean-Luc. So I wanted to talk just a little bit about your (coughs) perspective about shamanism a little bit here. So you've said in your writing that you believe that the issues of our lives um, that betray our destiny fall out of our fear of divine loneliness Mm -hmm. that manifests in a dysfunctional relationship with ourselves and our soul song. So this relationship yearns for completion, and this yearning and dysfunction become reflected in our external relationships. So this is like a big bite to chew on. So let's break some of these ideas down and then talk about this. So from your sense, what, what, what is the soul song? What are you talking about when you say that? It is, it's, it's my belief that the soul song is, is probably what so many people, so many traditions allude to as, as soul, as destiny, as that primal dream that we came to live. Combination of all that. I, I, I like the idea that this is the soul that came here. I think Robert Bly says the soul comes here for its own joy. And I think that's the soul song. We, we come from the ancestral stars with this great excitement, this great adventure to do all the things that we can't do in spirit form. At okay. that point, we we suffer that very human thing, loneliness, that regret of once being, you know, we're talking about community. If we, if we imagine for one moment that this great spirit, this, this, this ancestral place we talk about, is an all-inclusive community, to be born from that at some soul level, even though we come from that excitement, creates a regret, a grief. And so we're almost born into that. I, and I think that soul, within our soul song is that 
that inherent shadow of grief. Okay. And it's that, it's that inherent shadow that when we come into human form, and humans are the only ones who seem to do it, that we, we will believe anything so long as we get accepted into some, into some attachment. Uh, and the first thing we'll do is, well, if you say I'm a boy, well, I'll be a boy. You say my name's John Luke, okay, I'll be John Luke. And we'll tend to take all these things on. And the more we take that on, we sing ourselves away with other people's songs away from that song of our soul. And so this is the idea then of beginning, we begin to betray our destiny, not because we set out to say, I'm going to betray my destiny, <laughs> but, but because we start singing these other songs to fit in instead That's, of. Instead of, instead of trusting ourselves, instead of, instead of believing, we're talking about community here. And over the years of watching this one-off, very cold um, conference that started seven years ago and it was only ever going to be a one-off. It was an experiment and we watched it grow and develop and become almost, almost a living entity in itself. One of the things I've noticed by watching that, we have a U.S. gathering now, we have monthly gatherings here, is that community itself has become the healer not the individuals. It seems that when we're in community, we let go of our fears and start to believe in that, that common thread that runs through all our songs. We put all the songs together. Suddenly, in unison, there's a single, there's a single theme, and we start to believe in that. When we separate, we, we tend to forget that. So I think community is the healer. Mm -hmm. and, and when we gather in these, these conferences, whatever we're going to call them, I think there's that opportunity to let go of our fear and our doubt and our, our need to compare and be worthy. We can let go of all of that or we can just be here. You know, you said... That very first that very first conference and oh yes it was cold that discomfort actually united us in that in the fact that we we had to put aside you know we weren't going to get comfortable it took a long while before we actually realised that if we actually turned the thermostat up some heating would come on it took us a long time to realise that and in that and we only learned that because we all started to talk about it. And I think when we're in community, we start to let go of, through that discomfort, we start to let go of our fears of what have we got to prove. And if we have to prove nothing, then our songs unite. It's always been a concern of mine that you'll have, I mean, we all, we've all been to healers. We all heal in some way. And sometimes we look at that and think, well, is that person really better? Mm, I went to that person, did I, did, it, did I really get better? I took that medication. Mm, I'm not instantly well. And I sometimes wonder what it would be like if 
we started to realize that we're, we will, if we went to that healer and they did their job, we got fixed. If I took that pill, I got fixed. If I believed my dream, I got fixed. And I think that we surround ourselves with our fear and our doubt and our need to be accepted. We don't actually see that we probably are already healed. We probably are already well. Now put us in community, that blindness disappears. But for that one moment, we get it. And we hope that when we attend these conferences and gatherings and workshops, and I think this is the hope of every teacher and every facilitator, that some little thread sticks. There'll be a moment of, ah, I, oh, I'm actually okay. I'm actually okay. I, I don't need to. I don't need to keep on worrying about not being okay. And so I think when we have these big gatherings, it's not that we're going to a gathering. We are going to the ultimate healer, which is that gathering of the community. And that community is a reflection of the gathering of the world, the gathering of the forest, the gathering of the ancestors. We talk about great spirit. A great spirit isn't a one single entity. It's a gathering of all our beliefs and all our dreams and all our humanness all together and we immerse ourselves in that and the conferences and gatherings whether it's the bc one US one any gathering is one spoon of that great medicine that we drop ourselves into well and it seems this is part of the reason that we've also made the shift sort of away from the conference mode where you try to get some very popular person that will draw everybody to their workshop and get people to focus on, you know, who did you get a healing from today? You know, which afternoon workshop did you do? Did, you know, did you get healed kind of idea mm -hmm. to an idea that is more about the, how, to create a conference in which someone could arrive with the lighting of the fire and by the time they left, even if they didn't go to any of the individual workshops, of any of the presenters, that they would have this gathering experience, this community experience, and whatever healing comes from it, or inspiration, or whatever comes from it, um, just by being present in all of the, the group parts, the mornings, the evenings, but the, the, the whole flow of the conference. Um, which is why I lean more towards beginning to call it a gathering and not really mm -hmm. calling it a conference anymore because conferences are kind of stuffy and boring. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but also the, the structure itself is kind of just like a scaffolding in a conference yes. that holds yes. all the good bits. Whereas at this conference, the, the structure that holds it all together in and of itself is about – the community and bringing the community. Well, for example, last year, um, our work with the Pataxo people and their forest and, and so, planting trees. You know, I, I, I was starting to think about that. I was also thinking last year, we had people who were not, and the year before was even probably worse, uh, in a good way. We had people who came 
who had been ignored, uh, written off, uh, whatever we're going to put in there, by conventional medicine. And they came with all their craziness to be with us. And one of the things, it took a little while for the community in its healing capacity just to hold these people, not to say they had to get better, not to say they had to behave, but just to hold them. And each on each of those occasions, and I'm thinking of very, two very specific people, these people went home. Mm, well, the only word for it is better. Now, what I've learned is, and I've been in, in, in touch regularly with, with one of them, that they eventually, because they were with us, because they'd been accepted, regardless of their bizarre behavior, their illness, they had gone home, they had put themselves under conventional medicine, and I speak to them regularly, uh, almost weekly, they have learned to trust the society, the family, the community that they were uh, expelled from, which they felt that they couldn't have a connection with. By coming to us, they learned that. Now, we didn't do anything. We didn't wave magic wands over them. We didn't force them to go to workshops. In fact, I remember that they didn't go to anything. But they went home, having been immersed in that, that dream of healing, that and maybe they started to realize that maybe they just weren't as sick as everybody told them were. They were who they were, and community respects who we are. And you're right, we, we don't, we, you know, we, we, we have all these various people uh, who come and present their perspective of their relationship with the spirits, that art. And even if you don't attend them, that creates that holding blanket that we snuggle in every day. We all gather and we eat together and we sing together and we dance together. And occasionally we'll go and listen to Christina Pratt or Christiana Hall or Michael Dunning, who've got amazing things to say. But even if we didn't, and we should because they're amazing teachers, even if we don't, their time with us is not wasted because they're putting their essence into this medicine bowl that we're standing in. I, I'm, I'm getting a bit passionate because one of the things that both the tradition that I'm initiated into, which founded the society, both hold very sacred this idea of community because our ancestors lived in these small communities and these small communities were safe because if you were sick, the community took care of you. If you were crazy, the community thought you were sacred. If you were giving birth, the whole community were there ready to welcome the new child. If you were dying, the whole community was singing you off on your journey. We've forgotten. We've forgotten to do that now. And our connection with the Pataxo tribe, which came as, a, as an accident, in the support of their reforestation. And now they are trying very hard to persuade the Brazilian government to return the demarcation of their ancestral lands. And we've been talking to the Terranosa Foundation in Amsterdam 
which is our direct link to the Paxo, how we can support that and how we can support their their search for environmentally friendly energy. They do not want to have dams. They do not want to have oil. They want to provide their energy based on what the forest has. They want to provide their food in the same way. And so there are programs about restoring the... the uh, this is going to sound awful because I don't really know what I'm talking about. That, you know, there was, a, there was, a, there was a, an indigenous pig and they're trying to restore that line of animal, a, a, a specific type of palm called a picava, I think it is. They're trying to reestablish that, that particular plant so that their ancestors knew these things. And so they're reintroducing it so their descendants' descendants can live the ancient way. I think we've forgotten the old song tried to create new songs which is some attempt to find our origins but those new songs take us far and far away we look at the we look at society now and we're really all living on our own yes but what about facebook what about all the social yes but we actually sit our computers and talk to people or email people or write in forums we don't actually go and sit around fires. We don't actually sit and share food. We don't actually sit and tell the stories that are slightly uncomfortable and embarrassing. We don't do that sort of stuff anymore, unless it's through a computer screen or on a network. We've become more and more isolated. And I think one of the things that our gatherings emulate is that idea that doesn't matter how messy, doesn't matter how uncomfortable, doesn't matter how crazy, doesn't matter how you don't fit in, you haven't got the right cell phone or whatever. This is a place where the great fire burns for seven days. We even now get to do sort of the great skill of Catherine Naslas. We even get to sing and dance on the fire. She's introduced, she's introduced ancestral fire walking. So if you've never firewalked and you think I'd like to do that in a community and be afraid or sing and dance or burn my feet in public, this is a good opportunity to try that out. I don't know where that's just taken me to. Well, it's taken us to the conference. <laughs> so, so let's talk about this conference this May. So what is the focus or the conference of the con- or the purpose of the conference this year, this coming May, okay. which is really right upon us. I mean, there's still room for people to register, correct? Yeah, there is still room. There is still room. And they would just go to circleofgreatmystery.org and they can register, follow the links through there, right? They can follow the links there or they can email me at wolfandark at icloud.com and I'll lead them through it. And they can email me and just say, what is this? Do you want to explain that a bit more? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think Good. one of the, you know, what people say, returning to four legs, which is the name of this conference. What does that mean? And I'm going to be really blunt. Uh, three years ago, when the dream of the three conferences came up, the ancestors sent this dream. And there were these three very specific conferences. 
uh, ancestors, descendants, and returning to four legs. And I went along with it. And you and I have had this discussion, what does that really mean? Are we all going to run around on all fours? Uh, you, you'd think that some presenter would have come and made us all dress up as animals, and no one has done that. Returning to all fours, I think, is a metaphor for how was it before we became caught up in the addiction to modern life, modern life being this place of loneliness and isolation and comparison and doubt and isolation. How do we, what was it like before that? Supposing we really were in the right place, how have we forgotten that? Our tradition talks about the first man who, upon seeing his reflection in the ocean, thought that he was the only one, thought he was alone. And the story says that in this great fear, he runs from the forest and creates his own world. The story says that he doesn't actually do that. He falls asleep and dreams the new world. So we're all living in his dream. The twist of the story is that even though Far and his descendants live in this strange, fantasy, addictive world, the truth in the story is that actually he's asleep under one of the trees in the forest. He never actually left. All he's got to do is wake up and go, oh, it was just a dream. And uh, I would like to think that this conference, this, this idea of returning to four legs is probably best Better to say, returning to the time before we fell asleep, waking up, I, I'm sure that the message of the title will be one of those blinding flashes as we all sit around that fire. <laughs> oh, oh, that's what it meant. But it's, it's, it's about a gathering to say, what if we're actually living in how it is? And everything we see is an addictive delusion. Oh, that sounds a bit heavy. And maybe it is. You know, I like to think that our gatherings are really about a community piece of work. And, and, so that not everyone goes, I'm not going to go away for a week and work. And my childlike part wants to say, and they're such great fun. You know, it's great fun. I mean, Last year, I walked on a fire. I mean, I have never done that. It was the most unbelievable experience. And it wasn't, it wasn't great and spiritual and profound. It was a little boy running around saying, I did it, I did it, I did it. That was a great experience. That was a lot of fun. I got to paint myself white. That was great fun. It was, you know, there is a lot of, there is a lot of, of fun. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, catharsis going on and so you can dip in you can dip into cathartic stuff you can dip into fun stuff you can dip into work you can dip into sitting on the grass We've always had good weather except for that first weekend we sitting on the grass and just chilling and chatting amongst the forest by the, the, the flowing river under the mountains and if we're lucky 
we talked about this last time, that, that stag that came in and looked into the tent and then walked with three of the men off into the forest. They were all waiting for that to happen again. It's, a, it's an experience of spirit and humanity, and somewhere in all of that, and a great childlike experience as well. Innocence, community of innocence. Well, and I also think the feeling of things being heavy and so much hard work is because of... Well, two things. They both amount to the same thing, which is a person being left without the tools to deal with it. So, of course, it feels hard. I mean, if Mm -hmm. I don't have the right tools to deal with this problem, the problem is impossible. But there's two things that an individual, you know, doesn't have. And the first thing is community. Many of these issues are, from a shamanic perspective, are issues only because we do live in this strange kind of a sleep isolation that keeps us from being connected to a community that will tend those gates of birth and initiation and death and you know will tend that piece of community life i mean i talk a lot about the ways that our culture has failed us and that mm-hmm. we we suffer for that and so an individual trying to lift themselves out of the weight of that feels nearly impossible but a community can not only lift themselves out of the weight of that, but in the doing of that, they end up doing it for the larger, for the greater good as well. And so there's that sense of alone, yes, this work would be, be hard if not impossible, but together we can address that same issue that knocks you on your ass and has for the last six years. We can do this together and with Grandfather Fire or with the forest or, you know, that, because that's the second piece. Not only are we together, I mean, a bunch of people together is not necessarily helpful. <laughs> it no, could just be no. a blues, you know, blues conference. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, you know, but it's that we gather together as a group of people that are really very skilled. And in particular, skilled at working with spirit. So not just the community of humans, but the community of the local spirits as well as those spirits that come with us from all of our different trend, uh, traditions mm-hmm. and then give us this opportunity to do the heavy lifting, which isn't even heavy anymore. That's and to right. me, that's also part of the magic is so the work, quote unquote, just doesn't feel like work. It's fun. Do you remember there was an occasion where Christiana Hall from Finland got people to sit with all their ancestors and all the spirits of their specific tradition behind them and to argue whose spirit was greater. Now, you might think that that's tasteless. It was great fun, but it was so powerful because it was almost like the spirits had gathered to have as much fun as we were having. Mm -hmm. And for two humans to try and say, and my spirit's bigger than your spirit, this you could see that the spirits were actually gathering and showing a unity in their diverse manifestations. You know, my spirit's blue, your spirit's green. Blue's the right color. Oh, no, my spirit's... And the spirits were standing there in great Greek turquoise light, I suppose. I, I think this idea that we come with our own soul song, with our own blood ancestors behind us, our own... Uh, spiritual ancestors, the ancestors of our traditions and our beliefs and our songs. 
you know, it's, this is a big gathering. You know, we, we have a hundred people sitting around a fire. Now, magnify that by actually who is there. It's a powerful piece of work that creates that medicinal ripple out into the world. You know, we, we all walked around last year with that silly little bamboo tube with a piece of paper saying, I bought two trees for the forest. When you actually look at what happened in that Brazilian forest, you know, they have actually planted a whole section of the forest. It's been replanted. Not just they were hoping to plant an acre. A whole section of the forest has been replanted. We didn't buy all those trees. But somehow we had engaged in that energy. And do you remember the spiritual leader of that tribe sent us a sacred song and dance, which I'm afraid we probably messed up. But we did. You know, do you remember we sang and danced that, that song and then we got it translated and realized what we were saying. And we sent it back and the elders of that tribe didn't care that we got it wrong. They just felt that we were with them in their sacred ancestral place. This is, this is, this is what our gatherings are about. This is what every gathering should be about. Not just me healing this little group here. But this is a microcosm of some great big waking up. You know, we can, we must hope. Hope is a call to action. We must engage in that hope. Because if we continue to isolate ourselves, our world is eventually going to get rid of the sleepers. If you're not going to wake up and come and play with me, I'm going to find someone else to play with. And I, I worry sometimes that our great mother, the earth, sometimes thinks that her children are never going to wake up. She may do something quite drastic about that. And that's a fear. That's a fear as an elder of, of an ancient tradition. That's a fear that I carry. And so what sometimes our traditions go back to my child place is inviting us to wake up, inviting us to be spiritually silly. You know, there's that thing that St. Paul says, you know, to be fools for Christ. Well, let's be silly for the spirits. I'm going to reintroduce that as a new statement. Silly for the spirits so that we can, in that silliness, be vulnerable and uncomfortable and not worry about it. I understand that there's part of the ceremony this year, Dina, where you're going to paint all the men in red mud. Now, I don't, I, I've been in that ceremony with Christina before. I don't want any man to feel put off by that. To have Christina and her female band paint all the men in red mud is an experience that really cannot be missed. <laughs> and it's so spiritual. Well, I think that there's this um, aspect of human nature, and I see it really play out in shamanism, because, of course, shamanic healing is need-driven. If there's no need to do it, it, it doesn't happen. You know, it's not like a massage where you can massage somebody whether they need it or not. You know, there has to be a need. So it was easy, you know, like three years ago to say, oh, ancestral healing, sure, I, I, 
I know I need that. I know my ancestors need that. I, I can see alcoholism being handed down through the family or depression yeah. or whatever. So it wasn't really hard for people to see, oh, yeah, and my ancestors need healing. Let me go do that. And then the next year, it was a little bit more challenging because it's descendants. You know, they're not here yet. It's really easy to feel the weight of what already has been manifest but what's coming you know now we're in that hope place and that possibility place but it's not that hard to think i'd like the world to be a better place for my kids and my kids kids that's not that hard right you go, oh, okay so i can come and do that and then the, i can plant trees for other people and i i get this i get this okay i can show up for the future but in in this conference gathering you know we're really saying yes and can you show up for yourself? Absolutely. Can you show up for this moment that you are the living, this connection in this great circle of life, this moment that you are here, relatively speaking? Can you show up for yourself in the same way and understand if that, you know, the tapestry, the, the real, the big song, is going to be sung, I have to wake up and sing my song. I can't just snore. You know, right now I'm just snoring, right? (laughs) So that the snore is they're disrupting the big song and that's the part that I'm adding into it. But if I were to wake up and really sing my song and not want to go back to sleep, because when you wake up, it's like, oh, this is kind of uncomfortable. I'm achy. My nose is stuffy. You know, I got to pee and now I'm hungry. I need breakfast. You know, it's like, okay, so that's being awake. There is discomfort. But there is also great joy. You look outside and the raven is torturing the squirrels and the hummingbirds at the hummingbird feeder and, oh, my goodness, it's snowing or the, you know – Are we willing to come to understand what does it mean to be awake in such a way that I'm not not referring to the other like, oh, those are my helping spirits, Mm -hmm. but that I actually am willing to drop my sense of importance as a human and be in this place of feeling the actual energy of why would this being connect with me? And, and how do I connect with that being? What's that primal place where that connection gets forged? Because I'm pretty sure the bullshit in my head is really uninteresting to my helping spirits. I would I'm think, pr- you know, this, you know, know? <laughs> we, we said, you know, helping spirits, when are we going to become... You know, you're right, I have all these helping spirits, but sometimes I think they get a bit fed up. When are you going to be my helping human, is my, mm-hmm. is my thought. Are they actually, when are you going to come help us? Yeah. And I think that's part of, you know, we're the middle section, ancestors, descendants. Now, when are you going to be the piece that joins those two together? Right. And th- right. that's really what this one is about. We, and I think this is probably why this one's the hardest one. You know, we, we, you're right, ancestors was really easy easy because we can go into our memories kind of remote descendants well these are dreams they're maybes they're what ifs and we can we can even fake talking about the future but i think the reason why this one has been left till 
the last of the three conferences, gatherings, because it is actually the hardest. The peace, it's hard because we have to be okay in our humanness, which is actually the moment of spirituality. And that that moment of humanness, this is, this is something I've actually been talking about on the show and working with in my last mass community is that humanness requires the willingness to be intimate. Absolutely. And, and that these are, that. yeah, that these are heart relationships. So if I am going to throw off the protection of that divine loneliness mm-hmm. and step into this short moment that my soul gets to be Christina and sing this song, discover what the hell that song is and sing it. I have got to stop wasting time doing or being anything that is not intimately connected to myself, to my helping spirits, to uh, the work that I'm doing in the world, whatever that is, that if it is not worthy of my intimate connection, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Well, because I'm asleep. That's right. I mean, and, and that this this willingness to move into an intimate relationship with ourself, you know, it means being willing to discover my own true nature. This is this is like this huge stumbling block in my cycle teachings. People go, well, what's a true nature? It's like they're not even interested in a sense. Like they're they're sort of curious because I told them they're supposed to know, but it's like nobody even cares. I'm civilized. I don't need a true nature. <laughs> you know? I think I you know, um, at this conference we were being we're being either controversial just very stupid, but there's a scary part where we're actually going to divide the men and women. And the women are going to go off with Christiana Hall from Finland, yourself, Annie Spence from England. They're all going to go off and explore the primal nature of the woman. Right up to, you know, they're not going to say that all women are divine and goddesses, which of course we know they are, but they're going to start from that really mm, baser, primal, without judgment, and experience the true nature of the female so that she can realize that she's a goddess who knows that she's that primal place. And Jeff Stockton and myself are taking the men off to do unspeakable things in the forest in the same way, and then we're going to come back together and the men and women are going to present themselves to each other and say, this is who we are in that true nature of men, true nature of women. And as we come together in that ceremony that you and I are considering, who are we as people? Who are we as humans? If we start to unpick all the, the addictions that we put onto it, go back to that first song and then come back and hear it sung as the great orchestration which turns the stars, which moves the sun, which rolls the ocean. Those, those know who they are. We just have to remember that we're part of that and we've forgotten. 
And if we do that really well, you know, we'll be able to stand in our womanness and in our maleness in a way that knows that without saying, I'm sacred because I'm a goddess. I'm, I'm sacred because I'm a woman. You're sacred because you're a man, Absolutely. not because you're a god. You know, that whole, that whole disconnect of this last sort of encounter group, bring the goddess back, blah, 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 my whole lifetime. It has always been a little bit off-putting for me because it's kind of like, okay, so I'm not sacred unless I'm a goddess? Mm-hmm. I'm not feeling like a goddess in this moment. I'm, I'm in pain and I'm very human, so now I'm not sacred? You know, what, what does it really mean? Now, what would it be to gather in community and actually f- discover together a path back to that sacred, wild, intimate place when we, where we really are one with each other in all things? That could happen at this conference. Maybe if we truly believe, maybe it has already happened. And the conference is just a confirmation that we gathered to accept that. I, you know, and my head's going, yeah, that's, those are nice words, John Luke. But my head is trying to say, yes, but it's still three months away. But if I take my head off and say, it's happened, now how am I going to live my life? Well, it's a bit like waking up and not being sure, am I sleeping or am I dreaming? But you're sitting there grinning at me and I go, oh, I'm awake. There's Jean-Luc. <laughs> <laughs> and that's part of the beauty of the community is that our, our awakeness gets to be affirmed and we can continue then more easily to choose it. All right, Jean-Luc, we've done it yes, again. We we've have. spent an entire hour chatting. <laughs> So I just want to remind everyone, Returning to Four Legs is um, happening May 5th through 9th this year, 2014, at the Easter Seals Camp up in Squamish, which is a beautiful place of bald eagles nesting and seals eating salmon and a whole bunch of life happening there. It's a gorgeous place up in Canada. It's about an hour north-ish of Vancouver, B.C., for those of you that want to look at it on a map want to google it you can go to circleofgreatmystery.org if you want to look at the conference and register or as Jean-Luc said you can just email him at wolf in dark w-o-l-f w-o-l-f i-n-d-a-r-k wolf in dark at icloud.com and he'd be happy to answer your questions and we would love to see you this year at the conference so i hope that you will join us and thank you jean-luc for joining us thank you for asking me christina so we give thanks to the ancestors for gathering around us here today to the earth below and the sky above and for the hearts that unite us all next week we're going to be exploring uh the courage to change, to take risks necessary to engage in the true warriorship of the heart. So I hope you'll all join me next week. Have a great week, everyone.